The SEC basketball tournament begins tomorrow. Can the Kentucky Wildcats win the whole thing? We'll talk about that on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be predicting the entire SEC tournament. I dropped a link in yesterday's episode, I believe on YouTube, in the comments for anybody that wanted to go print out a bracket and uh, fill it out themselves if they had not already found a link. Drop the link so that we could predict the bracket today. If you want to drop your thoughts on the SEC tournament, who you think is going to win the whole thing, upsets, anything that's on your mind, drop them in the YouTube comments if you're watching on YouTube. If you're watching on podcast format, you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK on Twitter. Give me your thoughts on this SEC tournament. We're also going to be discussing Sky Clark, his decommitment. Uh, from the Kentucky Wildcats and how it's not really that big of a blow. And I think a lot of you would agree with that statement. And then finally, we are going to be talking about uh, some questions uh, that I asked you guys or that I wanted you guys to ask me anything going on with the program. I went over to Rupp Rafters, the uh, Cats Illustrated message board to see if any of you guys had any questions uh, about basketball or anything in relation to Kentucky athletics. And a couple of you guys on YouTube also dropped uh, some questions as, as well. So let's go ahead and get into it. Predicting the entire SEC tournament, the 2022 SEC tournament, it starts tomorrow, March 9th. We're going to go over every single game here. And if you're watching on YouTube, you'll see I have a clean bracket printed out right here in front of me. So we're just going to go ahead and write down who we think is going to win. Uh, again, if you've got any thoughts Leave them in the YouTube comments below or on the socials at Locked On UK. Would love to hear what you have to say. First matchup of the tournament: number thirteen, Ole Miss, the thirteen seed versus the twelve seed Missouri. Missouri beat Ole Miss both times. Uh, these two teams played in the regular season. In fact, the first time uh, the Tigers beat Ole Miss by twenty-five points. Uh, it was a really, really ugly, uh, ugly game. But here's the thing: whenever you get into postseason play. You, especially in conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament as well, you can't really, you, you really need to start bucking trends, right? There are some things that just need to be thrown out the window. Now, obviously, if you predict based off of statistics and what has happened that season already, you're going to win or predict the majority of the games that you, that you predict in the NCAA tournament and in conference tournaments. But sometimes, you just need to buck trends a little bit because there are upsets. There are Cinderella runs. There are different things that could happen that a stat sheet couldn't tell you. And whenever I look at this game between the Rebels and the Tigers, I trust Kermit Davis more than Conzo Martin in a tournament setting. I just believe that Kermit Davis is going to find a way to get this win over Missouri despite the fact that both of these teams are offensively inept and the Rebels have been without their best player, Deshaun Ruffin, for quite some time now. I'm still, despite all of that, going to pick the Rebels. Offensively, this game should be relatively ugly. I would expect Ole Miss to be the team that shoots slightly better 
and gets a close win. So I'm going to pencil in number 13, Ole Miss, into my bracket here. Second matchup, number 14, Georgia versus number 11, Vanderbilt. Not going to spend too much time on this one. I think Vanderbilt wins this game. Vanderbilt will cut, will cover whatever the line is. There is no chance that Georgia wins this. I will be shocked if the Bulldogs pull this one off. Scotty Pippen Jr. could be an interesting factor in this tournament. We'll talk about that later on. But number 11, Vandy, I'm going to pencil them in as the victors of game Two, moving on to the second round, Thursday, March 10th. An interesting game here. Number nine, Florida versus number eight, Texas A&M. Kim Palm thinks this is going to be a close game. In fact, Kim Palm gives Florida a 51% chance to win this game. Both of these teams, interestingly enough, are in the next four out in the latest bracketology. Both these teams in desperate need of a win. Both these teams have been playing relatively decent basketball down the stretch. Texas A&M, obviously, with a huge win over Alabama just the other day. I think in this game, Florida has enough in them to get a win over the Aggies, and I think Florida will be the one that eventually makes their way onto the bubble if some things bounce their way. I'm going to take the Gators to win this one, but I don't feel great about it. I'm going to try and not fence ride this entire uh, this entire uh, prediction uh, show. I really hope that I'm not doing that. I'm going to try and be direct with my picks, but so many of these games just feel like toss-ups, and uh, like I just discussed, that's another one there right there where it's, a, it's literally a 50-50 uh, in my opinion. Next game here, number 13, Ole Miss versus number 5, LSU. LSU should run run away with this one, but I'll note LSU did lose at home to Ole Miss last time these two teams played. I'm going to pick LSU to win this game, though. Number 10, Mississippi State versus number 7, South Carolina. Uh, these teams split in the regular season. Uh, Mississippi State won a game and lost a game. I'm going to take the Bulldogs to win this one. There should be a lot of free throws in this game because if you go and look at Ken Palm, Mississippi State's one of the best teams in the nation in getting to the free throw line, and South Carolina is one of the worst teams in the nation in putting the opponent on the free throw line. And then also, Mississippi State likes to foul a little bit themselves. I think this is going to be, uh, the pace of this game is going to be jagged. It's going to be inconsistent. Uh, neither of these teams can shoot the three ball particularly well at all, actually. Uh, I think I'm going to take the Bulldogs to win this one, but watch out for James Reese and Kuznard, the guard for South Carolina. Those two, I think, are going to be interesting to watch. If they can get hot, South Carolina can win this game by 10. But I'm going to take the Bulldogs. I'm going to put MSU in my bracket here. Number 11, Vanderbilt versus number 6, Alabama. Ooh, I think this is going to be a fun game. This was a 74-72 win for the Crimson Tide last time these two teams played. I think it's going to be a very close matchup once again. Uh, Alabama obviously is, I would say, comfortably in uh, the SE or in the uh, NCAA tournament, excuse me. Vanderbilt with Scottie Pippen Jr., and I've said this so many different times on this podcast, they are a post-presence away from being a legitimate problem. If they had that this season, they would have been very, very dangerous. They probably would have finished in the top half of the SEC, 7-6, somewhere around there. I think this team is that close to putting it all together. I'll also note something that has kind of held them back is their isolation offense has struggled outside of Pippen. They average like 11.5 assists per game, which is easily last in the SEC. Against a team like Alabama, you would like to think that it would be more high-scoring than the first game that they had, 74-72. I'm going to take the Crimson Tide to win this one simply because I believe they have more individual talent uh, at, at many different levels, including post or front court and back court, but 
Watch how Pippen plays in this game. Watch how Vanderbilt's posts play in this game. I don't know if they're going to be able to really, really uh, beat up Charles Bediaco, Alabama center, but it'll be interesting to see. Very, very close game, in my opinion. I don't feel great about taking Bama, but I'm going to. Moving on to the quarterfinals here. Got to move along here quick. Number nine, Florida against number one, Auburn. This one could be interesting. All of these games, honestly, could be interesting. Like I just said, I'm going to try not to fence ride, even though I really, really want to. Uh, Auburn's offense struggled horribly at Florida the last time these two teams played, but Auburn's offense played excellent against the Gators whenever Auburn was playing at home. It was one of their most efficient games offensively of the season. I'm going to take Auburn to win for a couple of reasons. Number one, I think their guards, Wendell Green and Katie Johnson, are trying to get out of their slump, and they're kind of getting out of their shooting slump that they've been in uh, really since about halfway through SEC play. I'm going to take Auburn win for that reason, and also, I don't think Florida, I don't think Florida is capable of getting past a team like Auburn in a neutral site setting because I don't think their guards are capable of leading their team to victory because they're going to need somebody outside of Colin Castleton to step up. I don't think Myrian Jones, Tyree Appleby, I don't think those guys are going to be able to get it done uh, against the Auburn Tigers. I'm going to take Auburn to win. Would not be shocked if this was an upset. As many of these games in this tournament, I would not be shocked if they were upsets. Number five, LSU versus number four, Arkansas. This one could be fun. LSU's defense is excellent, uh, but without and without a huge game from J.D. Note, Arkansas, Arkansas star player, the Hogs could struggle a little bit. I'm going to take Arkansas, though, for one reason in particular, is I don't believe enough in LSU's offense. Their defense, one of the best in the entire nation, and doing a variety of things, creating turnovers, making sure the opponent doesn't shoot well from three or from two, not putting the opposing team on the foul line too much. I think this team really, really knows what they're doing defensively. They are not getting enough out of their offense. How does Tari Eason play against the Razorbacks? Players like Jalen Williams. I think that could be interesting. Going to take the Hawks to win this one, though. And I hate to go chalk, but it kind of feels like this tournament is going to go chalk, even though there could be so many close games. I know that's kind of weird to say, but... I mean, it just it looks like the top four teams in the conference are head and shoulders above everybody else, but you put them in a neutral site... This game could get interesting. We'll finish out the quarterfinals here, uh, and then we will uh, we will uh, move on uh, for just a second. Number ten, Mississippi State versus number two, Tennessee. Uh, both these teams have really struggled to shoot the three at different points this season. Their defenses have been consistent. Uh, not only have the Volunteers had the better defense, but their competition has also been way tougher. In fact, they've gotten wins over Kentucky, Auburn, and Arkansas, the top th- uh, three of the top four seeds in this bracket. They've gotten all three of those wins fairly recently. And Tennessee also, not only have they struggled at times shooting the three ball, but they've also really, really, really heated up. Uh, if you saw that game against Arkansas, the one that they won 78-74, I believe, to end the regular season just a couple of days ago, they were shooting lights out uh, from three to begin that game. How do they play in a neutral site? Could be could be interesting. I'm going to take the Volunteers to win this one. I think they're more talented in a variety of areas. I'm going to take Tennessee to win that game. And the final game here, and then we'll move on uh, for a second. Number six, Bama versus number three, Kentucky. Uh, the first time these two teams played, it was a defensive affair. Second time these teams played at Rupp Arena, Kentucky scored 90, and that was without uh, their starting backcourt, I believe. Callan Grady running the point. Davion Mintz running the point for a little bit as well. I think Kentucky's going to win this game. It's a neutral site. I don't expect Bama 
um, to to do what they've done against some giants this season, which is just come out guns blazing and stay that way for the entire game. Look, we got to see Alabama uh, guns blazing for about 15 minutes against the Wildcats already, and they aren't able to sustain it against Coach Cal and his squad as they have been against teams like Baylor and Gonzaga and Houston. I'm going to take Kentucky to win this game. Uh, again, a lot of these different different games could be upsets. Would not be surprised if that was one as well, but it would take the Cats to win. We're going to head on to the semifinals and predict that match, those matchups in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Stat Hero. Man, I really, really love college, uh, college basketball, and I really love March Madness, and I really love putting together brackets. It's really, though, it's been a while since the last time I actually went deep or ever won any money. This year, I'm hedging my bets with Stat Heroes NCAA Pick'em Contests. Stat Heroes NCAA Single Game Pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy sports and gambling. You can start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, log odds, or funky props. In addition to Stat Heroes Pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups which you can comb through to take on head-to-head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players that you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. You can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% uh, deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again to everybody out there listening for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. Make sure to check out the Locked On Bracket Breakdown March 14th right here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast feed and the YouTube channel college basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling will give you in-depth breakdowns on every single matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun. You guys want to make sure that you check that out. The SEC Tournament Semifinals. We've gotten here, predicted the top four seeds to advance. I hate to predict it, Chalky. I, I want to be able to have a little flair and be able to, ooh, look at this, this might be an upset, Oh. Uh, but I'm not going to do that if I truly don't feel that way. If you guys feel like there's going to be an upset, if you think Vanderbilt's going to beat Alabama, or if you think LSU is going to beat Arkansas, or if you think Florida or Texas a and is going to beat, Al- beat, Al- beat Auburn, if you want to voice that opinion, do so. I'd love to hear why you think that's going to be. But I just look at these top four seeds in the bracket, and I just feel extremely confident in their ability to, to win as they have all season. Let's get to the semifinal matchups here. Number one, Auburn versus number four, Arkansas. Could be a fun game. I'd like to think that Auburn wins this game at a neutral side. It was, it was an overtime win for the Hogs uh, in Bud Walton Arena. Uh, I don't know how Auburn's guard play is going to be. I don't know how effective their guard play is going to be in this game. Like I mentioned earlier, their guards have really been in a shooting slump. They've started to kind of come out of it uh, these past couple of games, and Jabari Smith their star player averaging almost 25 points a game over his past like 10 games or something like that. The team's just going going crazy right now uh, offensively. Um, but again, they've really, really struggled on the road. How do they look in a neutral site? We've not gotten to see that out of them in a very, very long time. I'm going to take Auburn to win this game because I think neutral site Auburn is way better than road Auburn. That's just going to be my hunch. And then also, 
if J.D. Note does not get to the free throw line 15 times this game like he just about did the last time these two teams played, I don't know if Arkansas wins. I don't know if Arkansas wins. So give me Auburn win this game. Auburn to advance to the SEC championship. And then on the other side of the semifinal bracket, number two, Tennessee versus number three, Kentucky. Now, look, I had somebody in my comments say something to the effect of just put your Tennessee shirt on and and, and, and call it a day or something like that. I guess uh, suggesting that I'm a Tennessee fan or something like that or I'm biased toward Tennessee. Let me just go ahead and tell you guys something. I There are few teams in the Southeastern Conference that I dislike more than Tennessee. South Carolina's up there. And then Tennessee's right up there as well. Do not do not really care for either of those programs, both in college basketball and football. I'm not a Tennessee fan. In fact, I think Kentucky's going to win this game. I don't think they're going to blow them out. I don't think it's going to be necessarily a sure win, but I think it's going to be one of those games where you just acknowledge, like, the Wildcats are a national championship contender, and Tennessee is a Sweet 16 contender, uh, if, you, if you get what I mean. I'm curious to see what Tennessee's shooting looks like in this game because they've been on and off and on and off and on and off. And I'm also curious to see how do Kentucky's guards play in this matchup? Do they turn the ball over like they did a million times uh, whenever these two teams played in Knoxville? Or do they play out of their minds like they did when these two teams played in Rupp and Kentucky scored over 100 points? I'm curious to see what that looks like. I'm going to take the Wildcats to win this game. And then the SEC championship game here, number one, Auburn versus number three, Kentucky. I'm going to take Kentucky to win this game uh, in this in this final matchup. I think Kentucky exacts revenge against the Tigers. One of the things that I think really aided Auburn in their comeback uh, in that first game, obviously the departure of Ty Ty Washington, but then at the same time, the crowd, the momentum, the energy was also a factor in Auburn Arena. A really, really d- tough place to play in the SEC. Going to take the Wildcats to win this one in a neutral site. I think Kentucky can get a lot of out of Oscar Shibway, obviously, against Walker Kessler. I think he's going to be able to, to get some good things uh, out of uh, offensively out of Oscar Shibway. And then also, at the same time, I think Kentucky runs a little bit against Auburn. I think Kentucky's able to get back in transition because if you notice, if you watch Auburn, whenever they play teams like Georgia or Mississippi State or Texas A&M, they're prone to fall asleep at times in transition. And it's breakdowns that you don't normally see from a championship title contender. And it's consistent. How does Kentucky get out and run in this game? I think Auburn, with their guards, long misses, severe Wheeler doing what he's done all season, getting the ball up up the court in transition, finding different guys in space, getting to the hole himself. Oscar Shibway's been on a tear recently with dunks in transition. I think we see a couple of those. Give me Kentucky to win this game. In the SEC championship game, victors exacting revenge over the Auburn Tigers. If you guys have bracket predictions and you want to leave them in the comments below on YouTube, leave them there. Would love to hear what you have to say about the tournament. And if you're watching, or if you, excuse me, if you're listening on podcast format, again, Locked On UK is the Twitter handle. You can go over there, you can tag me, you can shoot me a DM. Let me know what you think about the tournament. Let me know what you think about Kentucky. Would love to hear what you have to say. Really quickly here before we move on, we may discuss this more in depth um, at some point more later on in, in the offseason. Sky Clark is officially gone. He decommitted from the Wildcats, uh, the uh, the star point guard coming out of high school. 
said this in a post on social media. First and foremost, I would like to thank Coach Cal, the entire coaching staff at UK, as well as Big Blue Nation, for all of the love and support you have shown me over the past two years. It honestly means the world to me, and that is what has made this decision such a tough one for me. But after a lot of thought and reflection, I've decided to ask for my release from the University of Kentucky so that I may reopen my recruitment. I will take the next few weeks to regroup with my family to figure out what is the best move going forward. Thank you all, and God bless. First things I, first thing I want to say here out of the gate, I really do wish Guy Clark the best. Obviously, really, really talented player. I hope wherever he goes, he's able to succeed. I don't think there are any Kentucky fans out there that have hard feelings against this kid. If you did, I'd be confused as to why. And I'm not saying you do. Again, I'm just saying anybody out there that has hard feelings against him would be surprised as to why that is. But I think that Sky, I really hope that he does well wherever he goes, and I believe that he will. But for Kentucky here, I don't think that this is a very big blow. Don't think this is a very big blow for the Wildcats. Kentucky still has options at point guard. I want to make a couple of points here. First thing, and I said this on, I said something similar to this on Twitter. After seeing the success this year's veteran lineup had, I'm sure either Severe Wheeler returning or adding another transfer point guard to the lineup would both be viable options. This Kentucky team is one of the most experienced teams Coach Cal has ever had with the Wildcats. It may be his most experienced team he's ever had with the Wildcats. And it's produced a lot of success, both offensively and defensively. So when you look at specifically at the point guard position, having somebody that controls your offense, that is experienced, that is that is veteran, that has seen the inside and out of difficult schedules, would love to see Kentucky get a power five transfer point guard like they did in Severe Wheeler. If they get somebody like Wheeler, look, the offense is going to be just fine next season because you've, you've got combo guard Case and Wallace already coming in, right? He's going to play well, I believe. Severe Wheeler, again, like I mentioned, could be coming back. So if you add a transfer into, that, into this lineup, it's Wheeler, it's Wallace, and then it's the transfer, and then also, has anybody forgotten about C.J. Frederick? The Iowa transfer sharpshooter could play a little point as well. I think that he will be here as well. All of those guys will be healthy, ready to go. The backcourt, I think, is going to be just fine. And if by some miracle that Shaden Sharp comes back, the backcourt's going to be downright elite. So that's what I think about that. Sky Clark is gone. Again, wish him the best. Don't think it's the biggest blow in the world. All right, we're going to get to some of you guys. You guys had some questions. I asked if you had any questions, and uh, we're going to get to those in just a second. Got quite a few, actually. Going to get to those in just a minute. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Run Your Pool. March Madness, literally only a couple of weeks away. Selection Sunday, less than a week away. Best time of the year. You really need to start about where think about uh, where, you're, where you're doing your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual, or are you looking... For the best, well, we here at Locked On Kentucky, we've done our homework and we've decided that we're running our brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. Both are really fun in their own way. They have options to edit scoring and they offer more intel to make your picks. It's all stuff that you won't find at ESPN or CBS. And if you want to play against us for a shot at a cash prize, you can join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, you can create your own pool for your friends and your family. You can enter code PUREMADNESS at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. 
All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Today's episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. Again, one of the best times of the year. And Bet Online has all the latest odds, totals, player performance props, and even where the next fired head coach is going to land. They've got all of those projections. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot as well for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC coverage as well. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, final um, few minutes here of the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Dahl here with you. Got some questions from you guys. Uh, quite a few of you asked some questions over at Rupp Rafters. A couple of you had uh, some questions in the YouTube comments. I want to get something out here before we move into the questions. I want to say a couple of things. Number one, somebody asked on Rupp Rafters, it's like, well, do you have any inside information about recruiting? Are you close to the program? Uh, in terms of like conversations with coaches and stuff. First of all, I don't think a lot of people on Rupp Raptors are. And second of all, I'm not going to act like I do, and I'm not going to say I do until I am, but the answer to that question is no. Uh, until somebody comes to me and says, hey, I've got some recruiting intel for you, I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. I'm not some Kentucky guru that that is got the finger that got that has my finger on the pulse of the program. Like I'm in there every single day. I'm not working there. I'm not consistently involved in every single minute detail of what's going on with the program. That's not me, me being sarcastically, genuinely. I'm more of a fan than anything. And so whenever, whenever I get you guys to ask questions, you're not coming to somebody that's a know-it-all, uh, although I may act like it. Uh, but, but I am going to try and answer the question to the best of my ability. And also, as a fan, I just love engaging with the community. Just considering that I'm the one with the platform, I want to be able to engage, engage with you guys because you have valid opinions as well. Some of you have better ideas than I do, as we'll get to here in a second. So just want to let you guys know that. Whenever you come to me with questions, it's not like I'm, some, I'm at some higher level of knowledge with the program. All right, that's enough, that's enough uh, yammering from now. Let's get to the questions. KA4Prez asked this. He said, I'm curious on how you would try to get more looks for Kellen Grady. It's going to take a big shooting game to win an NCAA tournament game. As much as, and as much as people get frustrated with Wheeler, he is the only one person who can get the offense into gear from the guard position, I would agree. Obviously, Oscar Shibwe, as, as uh, Prez probably knows, is obviously uh, a, part, a, a big focal point of the offense, but I get what he's saying. He said, should we let Grady work as the second point guard more? And that's kind of what I was thinking before I led that r- last sentence is you watch the way this team operated without their starting backcourt. Ty Ty Washington and Severe Wheeler uh, were not available for the Alabama game and Kentucky scored 90. Uh, I, I, and uh, they had a really, really good day offensively. To answer your question, Prez, I would probably run Grady. Instead of running him at small forward, running him at the three, I'd run him at the two, and then I'd run him at the point at the point. More than he's than he's uh than more minutes than he's getting right now. And now that Wheeler and Washington are back, um, he's not necessarily getting those minutes. To be honest with you, I'd like to see Kentucky run an offense that looked like this. I would like to see them run an offense with severe Wheeler, 
Davion Mintz, Kellen Grady, Jacob Toppin, and Oscar Shibway, or I would like to see them run an offense with Severe Wheeler, Kellen Grady, or uh, Kellen Grady and Davion Mintz. I don't know who we're going to put at the three yet. Maybe Jacob Toppin. We're going to have Oscar Shibway, and then I'm curious to see who Kentucky would put as the fifth player in that lineup. All I'm saying is that if you take Keon Brooks out of the equation, um, which Kentucky has been recently, I think the offense has some intriguing options shooting-wise. I mean, if you put a lineup out there of, of Mintz, Grady, and Wheeler, I mean, all three of those guys can shoot the three a little bit. That could be really fun to watch. So to answer your question, I would, yes, I would put, I would let Grady work as the second, or as the uh, second point guard more, and then I would also work him at shooting guard more because although some people may say, well, he is a natural shooting guard, you look at the starting lineup, he's typically the three because Washington's playing the two. Uh, so I would w- let him work more as a one or a two. Randall Wilkerson asks, do you think Cal is hurting our chances for a number one seed in the big dance with this weak early season non-conference schedule? If you've been listening to the podcast since I hopped on back in November, um, I have been extremely critical of Kentucky's non-conference slate. Now, some of you have brought it to my attention, different reasons why I shouldn't be as critical, and I've kind of backed off how how frustrated I was with the non-cons slate. But at the same time, I'm still disgruntled with it. It's not like my stance has completely changed. I still don't like the way it was set up because, like Randall mentioned, it was weak. And it really, in my perspective, was it sets you up for failure in one of the toughest leagues in the country. If you're playing all of these cupcake games, how are you truly preparing yourself for a game at LSU on the road? Which Kentucky got down, they had a couple players get hurt, and they lost that game. How do you prepare for a game like Auburn? Kentucky lost that game. You know, and I'm not saying that the, the, the non-conference slate was absolutely terrible. They played Duke. They played North Carolina. Uh, they, they got arguably the most embarrassing loss of the season uh, by far handed to them uh, at the hands of Notre Dame. But it was incredibly weak, incredibly weak non-conference slate. The way that Randall is looking at this is he's looking at it and saying, yeah, the schedule stinks, and it could potentially hurt Kentucky's chance at a one seed. And I would say that a more difficult non-conference schedule would have potentially dampered Kentucky's ability to get a one seed because they still ended up losing to Notre Dame and Duke. And you look at this team right now, they've got six losses. You don't see a lot of one seeds nowadays getting, uh, getting um, get, with six losses. You don't see that very often. Um, but what this, what this, uh, what a more difficult non-conference slate would have done is provided those opportunities to get more marquee wins, and then also would have better prepared you for the NCAA tournament and the SEC schedule, in my opinion. So yes, I think that the way that Kentucky is scheduling their non-conference slate is hurting them, both in conference play and postseason play. The answer to your question, Randall, yes. Three I here. Asks, why and what is Calipari's thought process to let the air out of the ball with a big lead? He's done it for years, and it doesn't ever seem to do what it's intended to do unless he wants the other team to make a comeback. This has also been something that I've complained about this season. You look at games like Vanderbilt. Actually, let's stick with the Vanderbilt example specifically here. I believe Kentucky ended up winning that game by 12, if I'm not mistaken. They won that game by 12. They were up by almost 30 points at some point in the second half, and they let Vanderbilt come all the way back. All the way back. It's one of those things where 
it frustrates you to see your team, your program, not keep their foot on the gas. To tie this into the SEC, uh, to the to SEC play and postseason play, if you beat a team by 12 on the road, it's impressive. But if you beat a team by 30 on the road, it's even more impressive. What if Vanderbilt goes and beats Alabama here in the SEC tournament? Kentucky's got a victory over a team that just picked up a quad one win in the conference tournament. They got a 30-point win on the road over those guys. That looks impressive. And I don't think I don't necessarily think the boys on Selection Sunday are looking at that specifically and going, oh, that's massive. But what if that happens consecutive times, right? What if you beat Vanderbilt by 28? What if you go on the road and beat Team X by 15 instead of 7? What if you beat this team by 15 instead of letting LSU come all the way back to the very end of the game and barely winning? What if you do those things? What if you keep your foot on the gas instead of letting the air out of the ball? And I'm not going to sit here and criticize Coach Cal. Obviously, he's won his fair share of national titles and, and rings and all these different accolades and such. I think Cal's a good coach. Um, but there are certain things that he and his team do that are very frustrating to watch. And I think that letting the air out of the ball and not keeping your foot on the gas is one of them. Now, on the flip side, you could say this. You could say, well, I think what he's trying to do is make sure that his kids don't get hurt and that they are prepared to play the next game in a grueling conference slate. And that is fair. That's also very fair. If you've got a lead and you're comfortable knowing that you are eventually going to win that game, why don't you slow the pace down a little bit? And then maybe in Cal's mind, maybe what he's thinking is the margin of victory here doesn't necessarily matter. As long as I pick up this win over this top 25 team, or if I win on the road against this team, I'm probably going to get slotted as a two or a one seed anyway. doesn't really matter as long as I get the win. I would say, though, uh, eye test is important. And keeping your foot on the gas will not only impress uh, different analysts, it will also impress your fans. Maybe, And I don't necessarily think that that's the angle you should take every single time you come into a game. It's how do I impress the fans. It's more of how do I win the game. And if Cal thinks that the best way to win the game is by slowing it down whenever you have a large lead, uh, then by, by all means. But at the same time, I still, I still would much rather keep your foot on the gas. That's my opinion. Austin Spada asks, you have to address Ty Ty's struggles at some point. The only one holding us back when Toppin is playing is Ty Ty. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's objectively Ty Ty and nobody else. I think Keon's given his fair share of two-point jumpers to the team that haven't gone down. And I think Severe Wheeler's had his fair share of turnovers in transition. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily say it's Ty Ty individually, but I will say you, you've got a point, Austin, talking about how... Washington, I'll say this, especially since his injury, has just not been uh, contributing to the team at a very high level. Now, he was early on in non-conference play and early on in the SEC slate, but he's really, really been injury-prone. I'm not saying that's necessarily his fault. It's just been the way it is, and he's been struggling with injury, and since he had his first legitimate injury, I believe, at Auburn, uh, he's not been shooting very well. The question is, how do you get out of that slump? Well, you let the kid get healthy, of course, there's not been a whole lot of opportunities for Washington to play a game where he's rehabbing from some injury. He's 85 to 95% healthy, and he's able to go out there and play comfortably. And again, like I mentioned just a few minutes ago, this is a really tough conference slate. Uh, so it's worn on him. And I, I, I agree. I think Ty Ty Washington has definitely been struggling down the stretch. So, uh, and I, don't, I genuinely don't know what the remedy is other than to sit him 
and wait until he is definitively completely healthy. Of course, you would like to think that Coach Cal's been doing that. Um, but also, I'd note, every single time it seems like he goes out there about 15, 20 minutes in the game, he's got to come out because he's got a cramp or something wrong with his leg. And I appreciate the fact that he wants to go out there and compete, but you got to make sure he's healthy, and you got to make sure that the, the shooting guard spot's efficient. It's got to be efficient. So, yeah, I agree. I think Washington's struggling, Austin. Hagen Hall 1999 asks, considering Oscar's rebounding prowess, do you think Cal will put Grady at the four and run a four-guard lineup in situations where Kentucky is struggling to get Kellen involved? This kind of tying back into what Prez said earlier is, should we let Grady work at the two more? So running a four-guard lineup sounds interesting because you could put Wheeler, Washington, Mintz, and then Grady at the four, and then Oscar Shibway at the five. Let's run through, let me run through that again mentally. Wheeler, Washington, Mintz, Grady, Shibway. I think that works if you're, and I'm not trying to be rude here, Hagenhall. I think that really works if you're playing offense, but think about what that would be, that what, what that would do, do to the team defensively, right? If you've got two guards that are somewhat under, undersized and the other guard being a freshman, um, how do those three, Mintz, Wheeler, and Washington, handle opposing teams that maybe have a little bit of length and have experience in their backcourt? I think that it would create some success on the offensive end. I think that would be fun to watch as well. I think that would be very entertaining to watch. But to get Kellen involved, I think it's less of sliding him down to the floor and more of sliding him up to the two or the one. So I agree. I think Kellen needs to be moved around a bit, and I think it's fun to play around with different lineups. But I will say at the same time, and this is not to put a damper on the question, um, and this is kind of sad for me to realize, it's, it's a little too late for us to adjust the lineup this late in the season because if you start to tamper with things, if you start to one day throw out a four-guard lineup and, and, and run it for eight minutes and see what sticks, it's like it could be damaging. And now that we're in the postseason, you lose and you're done. Um, so, so I, I think that getting Grady involved a little bit more by running him at the two is, is more comfortable in terms of making adjustments. Um, but yeah, I think that Kentucky will probably do some interesting stuff. Maybe whenever things get tight late or maybe whenever things get, just get late period, I think Kentucky's going to try and maybe work him in a little bit in different spots. Got three more questions here. Going to try and run through them quickly. We have been going long this episode. Dave Kersey asks, I'm interested in knowing the status of CJ Frederick. And then he also asks, will you be monitoring the transfer portal with occasional updates? Listen, again, like I said, I'm no insider. Uh, I don't have any, any personal attachment to the team. I will say, though, from what I can tell, and this is something that you guys could also tell as well, so I'm not giving a hot take or saying anything new. Looks like CJ's comfortable. Looks like he's recovered from his injury fairly, fairly well and fairly quickly, I might add. And I think that he will be prepared and ready to play next season fully healthy 100%. He's not going to play this season. Um, but it, it, if, if Cal wanted to play him, he could, I believe. And that's, my, that's just the way I perceive his status. And also, will I be monitoring the transfer portal with occasional updates? Absolutely. If that's something you guys want for both football and basketball, to let you know what's going on in the transfer portal, seeing who's coming, seeing who's going as well. Uh, I, I will absolutely 100% do that, and I think we're going to need to, considering there may be a point guard coming into the team uh, in sometime in the offseason. So that'll be something to watch. 
Uh, St. Patterson 54 asks, can you preview our second round matchup with Memphis? If we got a second round matchup with Memphis, I'm going to that thing. I'm going to that game 100%. If that happens, I will be so excited because I mentioned earlier, somebody mentioned, thought that I was a Tennessee fan. Not a Tennessee fan. Not a South Carolina fan. I real, let's just, I won't say anything harsh. Let's just say I, I really don't like Memphis. I really don't like Memphis. We're not going to get into it. Uh, I'm not a fan of the Memphis Tigers. I'm a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies, 100%, not the Tigers. And then Croy asks, this is the last question, does Oscar return? This is like a four-part question. Does Oscar return? Does Wheeler return? What is our seed? Teams to watch out for and what transfers are available for next year? Eastern Kentucky just had one of their shooting guards enter the transfer portal, was averaging like 13 a game, shooting pretty well. Um, that's the only guy I've seen recently that kind of caught my eye. And you may be saying, why Eastern Kentucky? Well, Auburn snatched a kid from Eastern Kentucky, and he's uh, probably one of the six men of the year uh, in Wendell Green Jr. Uh, so Eastern Kentucky knows what they're doing with their backcourt. Uh, this kid specifically could be interesting to watch. That's literally the only guy that I've kind of seen it recently that has entered the portal that have been like, ooh, that's interesting. Uh, does Oscar return? Had a whole episode about that. I'll link it in the description of this show. Uh, the answer, I think, right now is yes. I think he will return. You watch that episode, and I'll explain why. Does Wheeler return? Right now, I'm leaning yes. Um, I don't think that there's a reason why uh, he would enter the NFL or NBA draft. Excuse me. Um, I don't think there's a reason why he would enter the draft, considering I've not seen him on any boards whatsoever. Uh, if he gets one more year, and the question is, what does another year do for him? I don't know. Could we see him playing overseas somewhere? Maybe. That's a possibility, but I'd like to think that he comes back for one more year. And then what is our seed? Like I mentioned earlier, I don't think it's a one. I think it's probably a two. I think it's probably a two. Uh, if we lose our first game, could be a three, but I'm really leaning toward two right now. And if we win the SEC tournament, I still, I still think it's probably the highest two seed. Unfortunately, I think it's the highest two seed. Again, not a lot of one seeds with six losses out there, but who knows? We could manage to, to bump our, our way up to the one line if we win the SEC tournament. So those are all of the questions. If you've got any more in the, in the YouTube comments, let me know. If you're listening on podcast format, this was a long one. Uh, you can hit me on the socials. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. Hit me with any questions there. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at Lance Daw underscore. I will see you all tomorrow for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. This one was a doozy. Hope you appreciated it. See you all tomorrow and God bless.